Hello and welcome to Everything Trying to Kill You, the podcast that loves and loves to rip on all your favorite horror movies. Big ass announcement, top of the hour slash episode. This is our first episode in the Campfire Media Network. We are so excited to be a part of Campfire. Big thank you to Ryan and Ryan for having us and editing us and making us sound smarter than we are and funnier than we are. And thank you so much to the guest of a lifetime, Andrew Farmer, for making the introduction for us. Y'all probably remember Andrew from his episode about what lies beneath where he was our guest. And um, you can find him again cracking jokes on scary stories to tell on the pod the podcast that he co-hosts with the also hilarious Anna Dresden, who guested on our single white female episode. So listen to that as well. That's your homework. So you're welcome. Oh, it might interest you to know that we are your lovely hosts. I am Mary Kay McBrayer. I am Mary Amelia Byer. I'm just Rachel. No last name, like Cher. No last name. (laughs) Trust me, you don't want it. Trust me. Okay. Uh, Today, we're going to discuss the 1997 blockbuster film directed by Taylor Hackman, Devil's Advocate. In case y'all haven't seen this, pause us, go stream it on Netflix. Trust me, we will spoil the shit out of this movie for you immediately, and we won't even apologize. We'll just shrug and say it like I used to tell my students when they couldn't find a turn-it-in confirmation receipt. It sucks to suck. With no further ado, let's jump in with our icebreaker. Full disclosure, this icebreaker does depend on the fact that you also believe Keanu Reeves was miscast for this role. The question is, what actor would you recast as Kevin? Please be sure to choose someone who can actually do a Southern accent and gives enough time for them to like cultivate it and practice it and talk to people from the South so they know how to pronounce words because what the fuck was I listening to? Oh, Mary has her hand up. She wants to go first. <laughs> I just want to say mine because I'm afraid someone else is going to say it. Look um, at that look. <laughs> I didn't think I didn't think Keanu was like so tired. I mean, I he was he was doing the work out there. He just yeah, no, the the acting was great. The accent was terrible. The accent was bad, and and just energetically, I feel like there could have been. Just not the best use of a Keanu. So um, I thought maybe we could ask his friend, Joaquin Phoenix, to do it. Ooh. Oh, wow. I like that. He definitely has a dark, saw my brother murdered or dying um, energy. Yeah, like, would you believe that he is Al Pacino's bastard half-devil son? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. And we know he can do accents, so there we go. Right. When you said... I want to go first because I'm afraid someone's going to say it. I don't know why I thought you were going to say Matthew McConaughey. And I was like, oh. Yeah, that was one of mine. Yeah. He can do the accent. But he can't and do the rest. Up until, right, up until True Detective, I was like, he's just a pretty boy. He doesn't really know what he's doing. And then he fucking nailed that shit. Mm-hmm. That was the and year of McConaughey. Like, it was. It that was. is he the first time I've year. ever found him physically attractive is when really? he was a dema- yeah, deranged person who's still strung out from LSD experiments done on him in the 70s so raise your hand if you're surprised to hear her say that no one's raising their hand because I definitely have a type I'm trying to grow out of it I feel like I'm doing okay yeah yeah I think you've made the jump from like haunted by my past as a murderer to look at my plants can I show your friends my plants on zoom so (laughs) it's really just so much better like I can't even begin to describe how it's just like 
you don't have to worry about if someone is going to wake up in the middle of the night and punch you in the face. Like, you don't have to worry about that ever. When you date someone who's not Matthew McConaughey from True Detective. It sounds like you don't like to live on the edge of your seat, Mary Kay. You know, the world is dangerous enough for me. I don't need to invite it into my bed any more than I am already. So, yeah. Anyway, Matthew McConaughey, I do feel like, could crush that role, though. Remember him Mm. in A Time to Kill? No. It's the one with Samuel L. Jackson in it. No, I just haven't seen it. Oh, girl. That's classic Sam L. Uh, can I admit something to you guys and to all of our listeners? And it's really scary for me to say this. I only just saw Friday for the first time a couple weeks ago. <gasps> what? That's one of my favorites. But I'm glad I grew up got watching that. to it, and I'm glad that you have seen it now. You got to remember, my mom it's is amazing. black. My mom is black, but she's not American. Right. No. So that makes sense, a lot none of, of my like, family is black. So yeah, I know. But you know, that's it's or just that we know that there was a lot of. There were a lot of kind of black cultural touch points that weren't in my house, not just because my mom didn't grow up with them herself, but because she didn't even really see herself in them as an adult. You know, like like that she just she could not relate to a lot of black stories or black media in the 70s or 80s when she'd first gotten here. And I think that's changed a lot over time as the stories. Well, yeah, and she's been here. That yeah, she's been here longer For now. Long she now. finally got her citizenship a couple of years ago. Like, Hooray. she, uh, I think that's changed. And also the stories that we get to tell about ourselves and the stories that, even that others tell about us, are are fuller and richer and deeper and realer than so many of the stories that we've gotten to tell for so long. Yeah, and I was actually kind of pleased about this movie and its representation because a lot of movies from this time period, not so great. We're going to get to we're going to get to we'll into get, some of the stuff gonna, they yeah. did do or didn't in a second. But Rachel, who is your uh, Wait, who were you guys' actual yeah. picks then? Was yours McConaughey? No. I thought when you said you want to go first to see that was going to be, I thought you were going to say Matthew McConaughey. But no, mm-hmm. mine would be I did can, too. <laughs> can it be um can they can the person be alive or dead? Were they alive in 1997? This is a fantasy. I don't know. You can do whatever you want. Don't know. Okay. Clark Gable. Love it. Gregory Peck would also be really good. Yeah. But you know who I would really want it to be? Like, who would it be Mm. best? Clark Gable. But I want to see The Devil's Advocate, where it's like either John C. Riley or Danny McBride. I want to see that movie. John C. Riley is phenomenal. He is. But I want to see them, like, in, like, the the dumb stuff that they do, like, Step Brothers and that show on HBO fucking... That's that's The Devil's Advocate I want to (laughs) see. We're like... Pacino is trying to like raise up his son in the way he should go, but his son is such a like sweet dummy that like all of his machinations yeah. fail. And he's my like, Jesus. literally from Step Brothers. He, he has on a tuxedo shirt. <laughs> That's him, right? <laughs> Isn't that him? Rubbing his balls on a jump set. Oh my gosh. Um, I pick uh, Mahershala Ali because he has such a range. Mm. And we all know from True Detective season three, which was the best one of the three. And that's hard for me to say because season one is bomb. But yeah, he can really do the Southern yeah. accent. Like, I'm sure y'all listening can tell that I'm from the South. I had to put on the subtitles. He real country in that movie. Mm-hmm. But also Arkansas. So it's a little, different. it's a different... Yeah, I disagree that the third season is the best one. I thought it was very interesting. I thought it was very good, and I thought it was a relief after season. Well, we can fight two. later. We can but fight later. I, his voice. I think I texted you at one point while I was watching, and I was like, I decided to put the subtitles on because his voice is so deep mm-hmm. that I can either turn the volume up to seventy-five, or I can just mm-hmm. put the subtitles on to make sure I understand him. Like, 
I how do they mic that man? Just for a second, I know, right? But uh, also the old age makeup. Anyway, remember when he comes home after the first case where he picks the jury? And he's like faking that he, they lost the case. Mm-hmm. Did you not see him really kill in that scene? Absolutely. Not that Keanu Reeves did a bad job or is a bad actor. I think he was just miscast in this role because the accent was so bad. But then can we appreciate that he came back and did like a very like somewhat similar movie? What was that movie called with like Gabriel and he was like a fighting the demons and angels? Constantine. Right. Is that right? Yeah. 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 I kept thinking of that movie while I was watching this one because I hadn't seen this one before. Interesting. I haven't seen that one, so I don't have any frame of reference for it. But I was thinking as I was watching this movie, so apparently, and I wrote this as a question, but it's not really a question. Keanu Reeves is is Asian, Pacific Islander. He's very private, so we don't know the details of his ethnicity, but apparently was white passing in the 90s? Yeah, it's really only in the last few years that I think it's become much more common knowledge that he is not white. I feel like I never assumed he was white. I just thought it was progressive casting when they had him as like Jonathan Harker. Another role for which he was miscast, unfortunately, because the (laughs) accent again, it's the accent, right? Like that's really, he's great. It's just like those accents weren't really. His thing. um, That's kind of how I feel about, that's kind of how I feel about Brad Pitt a lot of the time. Like his voice has a, Mm -hmm. like a timber that like Mm, doesn't always work. It's more a period thing than an accent thing because he has done a number of accents well. But it's a timber thing. That like sounds... that East Carolina accent in Inglorious Bastards mm-hmm. crushed it. Yeah. Because so he there's... has that little twangy timbre, right? Yeah, but it doesn't sound nearly as good. Like it took me out a lot during like interview with the vampire where I was like, what? Right. It sounds like a surfer boy. What is when happening? When it's like old money Louisiana, <laughs> you don't have that one. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah, but well, he, I don't. I... I do think that he was considered passing. Like when. when studios were working with him when he was being cast and all of this stuff. First of all, his last name is Reeves. It's not associated with a specific race or ethnicity. And then secondly, mm-hmm. I thought he was, I think they kind of just treated it as he's dramatic looking and he's very handsome. All, all very true. A lot of cheekbones on that And I'm not mad man. that he played this, like I, I obviously don't think that, you know, he shouldn't have been cast in this because of his ethnicity because Satan takes many forms, who cares? Like I did notice that just because that's something that notice i also noticed um in and we're talking about like casting and representation now in the movie first just kind of knocking it out but when the partner finds him in the bar and the clearly florida i mean i've said it before and i'll quote it again florida is a colorful lawless swamp no as exhibited by the first quarter of this movie in particular but they have live band in like the tiki bar and this man who's very, this black man who's very well dressed goes up to him and he's like, we want you on retainer in New York. His first reaction, Kevin's first reaction is he starts laughing and he's like, the black thing, you being black, that's perfect. That makes it makes it so much more believable. Well, how did y'all react to him saying that? I'm not going to lie. I watched this twice and neither time did I did that line really register? It could just be that those bar scenes are loud and they're a little chaotic. And I, they and I, are. Even yeah. with and the he's fighting Charlize Theron's ass. Which, I'm like, kidding. I would watch that on a loop as an entire movie. <laughs> they both look so beautiful. That's the thing. Like, her hair is fantastic in curls. And mm-hmm. I know that apparently it's the mark of the beast, according to this movie, but... We're going to get to that, uh, because I feel like... We're going to get to that, There was yeah. kind of a weird circle around on that. 
a kind of mm-hmm. a twist, a spiral even, if you will, about the Shut pearls. the fuck up! <laughs> I'd watch a whole movie oh. of just someone chomping on her booty, like, yeah, can, I like <laughs> can I go next? Can I go next? Just line them up, like Keanu, Pacino, Pacino, like, just, like, line them up. Pacino up. can get it. Right now, Always. if Pacino showed up, I'd be like, throw something at my head. I don't care. Yeah, he has, <laughs> you know, he has twin children that are, like, six years old at this point. They're so young. Wow. I am unsurprised and unfazed and stand by my decision to let him throw something at my head. Same. Same. But back to that um, when... Um, just for the story. <laughs> just just so when um, Kevin said that, at first, I don't know why the first thing I thought of was like The Simpsons. I just was thinking like, oh, this is dated, like in that way. Um, yeah. Like in the same way when you hear someone's talking about being prejudiced, you know that's, the, that's like back in the 90s, like early 2000s, when they're basically saying like in a more <sighs> white way or a polite way of saying, oh, you racist, like, and then when I was revisited, I was like, oh, you know what, like, that's the e- perfect example of who he is as a person, like, the vanity and mm-hmm. the manipulation of, like, telling a story to win somebody over, so he's, because he's so good at that, that he sees it, he sees the vanity of, like, bringing in a person of color to kind of put on a show or to manipulate mm-hmm. him to think, you know what I mean? It just seemed to, like, be perfect for him i think it really depends on how you read um on how you read kevin himself if you are reading that character as not white it takes a lot of the sinister nature of that line out of the running Mm. right it could be more of a an alignment thing like of course they sent you to me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. or i'm glad they recognize that like we've got a weird superpower and that you know if, if you're recruiting guys black, then people of color are going to feel more comfortable. If you're recruiting guys black, white people may feel awkward about ignoring that or shutting it down in a certain way. You know, like they don't want to get a reputation yeah, I feel as being. Like that would make him take the offer more seriously. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I got that that impression, but I also thought it was interesting that, like you said, it depends on how what you think of Kevin like I didn't think like that's racist for you to say that I just thought like I mean I might have in the 90s if I heard it but now it's not not racist to not see color mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if that makes sense so it's, it's a, it's I don't a know I just more, it definitely got my attention <laughs> it's a much more forward or intimate way of discussing somebody else's identity then I think is appropriate. I think if they were already yes. close friends, to have a conversation about how that kind of personhood manifests in the office is a part of being a human and having friends, right? Like, hopefully mm-hmm. your friends do and will talk to you about this kind of stuff. But they're not friends yet. This dude is a stranger who is offering him a job. <laughs> like, Right. I can... mean, that and then also all lawyers in this movie are assholes. Yeah. Well, he's probably not super phased. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking, that, like, in, in the context of who he is, not just who he is, but, like, he's really good at being a lawyer and manipulating yeah. and, like, creating an illusion that he sees it. And he's like, oh, I see what you do. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Nice try. I definitely think that that one line made me take the movie more seriously because of it. Of it, it, it seemed, like, tonally aware. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to which is the Moyes case. 
Mm-hmm. Side note, real quick, John Milton is a real heavy-handed illusion. It yeah. is and we can just For, leave it at that. Seriously. I when he said his name rolled my eyes out loud. Yeah. <laughs> Same. She yeah. said she rolled her eyes out loud. <laughs> Have you never done that, Rachel? <sighs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> like really? My, mine sounds like <sighs> Mine sounds like what my mama says where she goes gag me with a spoon. <laughs> you never heard that, Mary Kay? No. What, you've never seen um, Clueless? Yes, that's from but Clueless? Mama the lie. Well, that's not from Clueless. From there, I, I believe, it is, I believe yeah. it is said in Clueless. So, the Moyes case. We get introduced to that case by watching the, vide- the VHS tape on the top of the line at the time. Television on a cart. Which was just this is top of the line shit in Manhattan, and it the technology is still sucky um, because it you know it's twenty five years ago, twenty three years ago. Um, anyway, we see it. We see the the footage right with Kevin. What was your reaction to that? And I can say tape because it was in fact a tape. I felt like I couldn't see it. Hmm. That might just be, again, I, maybe I was more distracted than I thought, or maybe while I was trying to take notes, I had my head up and down or something, but I didn't feel like I got a good image. It was, was very, happening. it was very fast and it's very, it, it was, was real very, short. Yeah. It was real short. Mm-hmm, it was yeah. very shaky. But mm-hmm. what you initially, like, uh, uh, what you see is this man cutting open the throat of an animal and trying right. to get the blood a into a, into a yeah. bowl, which... Mm-hmm isn't abnormal i don't think that's abnormal but the way that they painted it you drain animals before you eat them yeah well listen they're like just like he said in the trial like you see people holding up these like snakes and you don't say boo at that like yes and the fact that yeah and to me the fact that it was like a black man doing it it was like they're trying to portray it to be like even more sinister like the war on Mm -hmm. drugs when they showed like you know, like a like a black man on the news, like oh, this big scary drug man, right? Oh, this big, big scary goat man, big scary drug man. <laughs> that is your type, <laughs> right? No. How do y'all put up no. with me? I really don't know. <laughs> um, I'm just I... really stuck on that set of words in that order, and now if every headline does not say "big scary drug man" for the rest of my life, I will. What not about read big it. scary yeah. goat man? I want a big scary goat man next. <laughs> yeah, that's just Baphomet. like Come here, Baphomet, baby. So I say, like, that's just like the dude from Pan's Labyrinth or something. You know, like uh... my ex-boyfriend used to call Baphomet. He used to call him Goaty Boy. Yikes! <laughs> I loved that Kevin's reaction was. They're going to try this as uh, health and food mm-hmm. violation, but it's not. Yeah. Um, that's how they're going to try it. And he ends up getting Moyes off hook yeah, he did. By, uh, by giving the judge the kosher laws, right? Like the laws for something being kosher. And the judge is, is Jewish. And so he's like, yeah, I'm familiar with this. And he goes, yeah, well, you're discriminating against my client because he is practicing that doesn't fall into something that you already have written out mm-hmm. and the subtext of that which i think would be more prevalent now this is racist mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure oh yeah i mean because i thought yeah. that was one of those situations where i thought like you know 
that was a, that whole that whole sequence, that whole section of the movie. After the movie was over, I was like, "Did we need that? And why did we need it?" I think we did. Did you think we did? Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm not sure. Again, I, remember, I I didn't feel like I actually saw what even happened in the tape. Um, so I felt a little, kind of, a l- somewhat unclear about it. But at the same time, I wasn't sure whether I was supposed to believe that Kevin was more upright or less upright. I wasn't sure whether I was supposed see, to believe See, that's the thing. Is, and that's the thing. I don't, if this is, if you need this case to do those things, what was the other part you could have lost? Because this movie is, it is bloated. It is long. I think individual scenes or sequences could be trimmed down. But, you know, as I'm as I'm rewatching and thinking, okay, well, if that felt long to me the first time through, what what would I take out? I did come to the end of the sequence and feel like I'm not sure I'm not sure what that was meant to accomplish that couldn't have been accomplished by incorporating some of those elements in different scenes or sequences. So I think that because the footage is grainy and it's short and it looks like a raid, I think that we are immediately made to sympathize with Moyes. Yeah by saying he's practicing his religion on his own property in his basement, which is not a part of the restaurant. Okay, Ron Swanson. Mm-hmm. And, right? And then he, look, until very recently, I identified as libertarian. Now I understand that people are stupid and can't take care of themselves, so we need the government to do it. So, mm-hmm. um, anyway, at the, in the 90s, <laughs> 11-year-old, no, 9-year-old Mary Kay was very libertarian. And she would have said, (laughs) in my own basement, my own animals, I can ritually sacrifice. That seems like a basic human tenant, basic American tenant. As I was watching this like a couple days ago with Chase, but he was like, well, that's that's devil. That's that's bad. And I was like, yes, but America was founded on the idea to practice your chosen religion with freedom. You're not hurting anyone else, which he wasn't. On the other hand, <laughs> superstitious nine-year-old Mary Kay was like, Daddy, come pick me up. Mackenzie Bailey over here trying to summon demons, yelling Bloody <laughs> Mary in the mirror. Like, absolutely not. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have walked into that basement. Fucking no. But I also think that it's not the government's place to tell him that he can't conjure demons. So here's my... Maybe here's what happened with me. Maybe I just really didn't lock into those individual beats because goat is so delicious that I was preoccupied with the <laughs> concept, the yeah. very idea of curry goat. And I just couldn't right. couldn't get back into the story for a minute. Yeah. No, I mean, I yeah. like I said, I, I felt like there were many moments in that, that storyline that I appreciated or thought, thought were pretty powerful or may have complicated my perspective on Kevin a little bit, but you know when the, you know when I found out that Kevin was a complicated guy who had at least understood what was right and sometimes made hard choices anyway? In the first um, five outside the church? In the first five minutes of the movie when he goes into the oh. bathroom and has a meltdown because he realizes the guy he's defending is not just guilty but like definitely gonna reoffend. Yeah. And then he does that gruesome, like, smile bearing his teeth move into the mirror. Yeah. Yo, I, that, the first 10 minutes of this movie, I was like, this is pretty, this is, this is pretty airtight in terms of, like, tell me what I need to know. Tell me how this world yeah. works. Mm. Tell me what I can expect this movie to mm-hmm. be. I was like, great, got it. There are some 
truly oh god where did i make more of my notes here oh yeah those opening scenes are harrowing a couple of lines that uh, i was he's like, like you no. lied about a small thing now you're lying about everything like uh she's 11 like nobody wants to have that happen to them they, yeah or 14 or however old she was yeah that whole scene that was i thought this movie i went into it blind and i thought that scene was gonna go way way different than i thought it was going to go well we like to think that nowadays it would i mean we're trying by we i mean the three of us and a handful of other people with souls are trying to not let slide in court anymore so immediately you're like well this is a crossroads and you're a defense lawyer and already i don't have you're already kind of skeezy because haven't ever lost a case and there's no way that people that that many people accused of that many crimes could be innocent Mm -hmm. you know like it's already like you might not be great he's been able to turn a blind eye blind eye toward it until he sees that dude right gib 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 gibley what's his name what no one cares because he's he's a murderer and a pedophile but i do love that actor very much the the thing that made the jump from that case to the Moyes case, right, mm-hmm. is that in the first one, he knew it was up. He knew it was wrong. He did it anyway. With the Moyes case, you can equivocate either way. Like, I just did it. So I, Even though I don't want anyone to hex me by driving a nail through a beef tongue, I'm also like, it is his freedom of religion, though. So here's the thing. Why aren't those storylines flipped then? If if we're trying to build to something, if we're trying to, like, increase the intensity, if we're trying to, why would we, why would we see already that in conflict, he will make the, he will make the selfish choice when the chips are down, and then see that sometimes his selfish choice happens to align with goodness. Like, I think you know, it's, be- like, why did we get that first case with the pedophile and then the Moyes. Mm-hmm. Why is it in that order? I think I think because does. we see him in his normal world, how he was normally being without any influence. This is what he does. And now he's being presented this new job with like a sort of test. Like, right. this is this problematic. And it has like some kind of like satanic vibe to it and we're gonna see if you fuck with it yeah i was gonna say i didn't feel that test so much in that in this circumstance what helps him is also what helps his client you know like if he just if he makes the moral choice or he makes the selfish they're the same choice in this circumstance so that's how they get you you make a bad decision you feel like you're making a good decision and it's like oh i get to keep making good decisions and then you're in because you've already You've, you've, you've said little, you've said yeah. yes to many little things. And I like that, I like that, that construction, that arc, that makes sense to me. I didn't, I didn't personally feel that in this. That storyline is fascinating as it was, and I'm not even arguing that it should come first. I think the way this movie opens is fantastic. I just felt like, man, that might have been a, as cool as all of that is, that might have been a darling to cut and make into a whole different movie. And I think it's also like a thing of like grooming him and like conditioning him. You give him like a little bit because I think I just think it's so important that that video does have some kind of satanic mm-hmm. um, vibe to it. Yeah. And most people 
most normal people when they come in i saw this video these people have went into this house a lot of satanic drawings and they're like we're out get the, we're gonna fuck out of here mm-hmm. but then like if you're someone bringing them to this for a specific reason like if you looking into like pizzagate don't do it like you're just gonna fuck you up um if you bring them into it and they're like yeah like i'm cool with it then you know you can go in the next step further but yeah. if he's like I mean, if he's like Mm-mm, then you're like okay we're out we're done yeah i think it boils down to for me like just to, so we can so we can talk about all the other cool things for me it boils down to that was that was almost too fascinating to be in this movie or to be this Mm -hmm. movie or to be that story i would have watched a whole movie about that one case and i don't know that it serves as interesting as it is i don't know that it serves the pacing or timing overall of of this movie because like i agree with everything mary says about mary Kay says about how the story functions in and of itself like i think it's just such a right yeah i think it's a beautiful arc that it's kind of like its own arc, and when it resolves, I was like, "Wait, where, 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 where are we going?" For a second, and then you know, Al Pacino was yelling about the subway, and I was like, "Okay, I'm back." Well, one last thing, I I do definitely want to say about the Moyes ca- case, and I would love like if they made their own movie about that, I would be down because it's it's probably just me, but by the way he looked, being a man of color. Like, this is another reason why this was super racist. But being a man of color, what he was wearing, this loose white linen vest. Mm -hmm. And he also had, like, this red hat that was, Mm -hmm. I think, like a beanie. But it it also kind of looked like... It was very thin. It kind of looked like a skull cap. That And later he wears that one that's not a pillbox hat. And it's not a fez. But it's somewhere in between. And so it kind of like makes it look like he's supposed to be like a Muslim man. And back in the 90s, what was Mm -hmm. more foreign and scary than Islam? And so... Well, yeah, 97, most Americans just didn't know anything about it. They didn't know anything about it. And so mm -hmm. it's scary. Yeah. So not only is it like racist, but it's also like Islamophobic. (laughs) And I don't fuck with that, you know? Um, (laughs) And that's supposed to be, I think we're supposed to equivocate that with... Uh, voodoo representation which yeah. we at the time and still to some degree associate with zombies which are as we've said several times on the podcast before uh not what you see on tv you are not scared of zombies you are scared of becoming a zombie so you wouldn't be scared of the the actual being you'd be scared of the guy like Moyes who would turn you into that yeah um which i think is a very interesting way of distracting us from the first case because the way I saw that was like Hitchcock's bomb, right? You see the bomb, we put it under the table, and this case, this, I I think he's Haitian. That's what I associate it with. I think that's what I'm supposed to draw. You're right, because Moyes is French, but it's originally Mm -hmm. Egyptian. So... It just, like, that case is so compelling, right? Mary would watch a whole movie on it. I would watch a whole movie on it. Rachel probably would watch a whole movie on it. It makes you forget that he does not give a shit about women and that he makes Marianne ashamed of her own rape. Like, he questions her immediately when she has run naked in a comforter to the church. You know, I had this moment when I was rewatching where, you know, that moment where he, she reveals that it is Milton who attacked her and he gets mm-hmm. angry because he knows where Milton was. And mm-hmm. I thought, man, if someone I loved told me that they were attacked by someone who had been in my presence all afternoon, 
I don't know how it would be possible for me to be angry instead of so, Very so worried. deeply sad and scared. Yeah. Like, how can they do that and then come back and be like, hey, I'm here. Like, or just, and you're hallucinating. That's that's what I, that's what I'm saying. If I if I yeah. really believed like no, I was with this person all afternoon. I like why would I think they were Satan? You know, I, I if I that thought that this person sincerely believed that that's what they're telling me, my, I would just mm-hmm. be, I would just be crushed with sadness and fear for them and love for them because, oh God, like I can't believe they're going through this and I like. This means we are at the beginning of something that is likely to be really, really long and really, really difficult. And something yeah. that I, I fundamentally, it's it's very difficult for me to help you with. There are mm-hmm. plenty of things I can do to be supportive. But at the end of the day, I, I don't have any power over this or what's happening to you. The fact that he got angry or that he raised his voice. And to be fair, yeah. I often like to manifest my particular fear and sadness with a good rage burst because that feels like you're more in control um but i thought man i can't imagine actually yelling at my loved one <clears throat> in that moment excuse me that, mm-hmm. i don't know what happened with my voice there but i'm the opposite when i'm super angry i start crying and it's a total misrepresentation mm. and i hate it so if y'all ever see me crying but talking through it somebody's about to catch it Wow. No, every time you've been mad at me, you just told me you were mad and acted like you were mad. But you know how sometimes people or things will happen where it's like you feel super vulnerable and you can't really say what you want to say. Oh, I And it's so frustrating and you're so mad that you start crying. Yeah. 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 And I think so like we're talking about the inverse situations, right? Like you're so angry that you are crying and I'm talking about Mm -hmm. being so like sad or scared that you act angry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like. Right. Um. (laughs) But yeah, 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 absolutely. I definitely do the anger cry. And it's, I feel like as a woman, especially, it's so frustrating because your mm-hmm. tears are already expected oh, as a yeah, sign of your weakness. Yeah, another hysterical woman. Yeah. Right. And you're like, no. Um, this- Tina Fey says, if you feel so mad you could cry, just cry because it terrifies everyone. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the thing. Like, if I'm um, crying right now, I just, like you said, like, at, this is the thing I'm doing instead of actually taking my nails to your throat mm-hmm. i just so. go silent i go stone face i feel like that's like Ooh, so danger this, <laughs> that's the scariest one that's because i get it from my daddy thank you david wayne <laughs> i used to do that he's a big um, marine I, man every time he was real mad he would just he would just sit there stone oh, yeah, cold you gotta you know, bury that shit deep inside you, you. Know, you know see you my dad is up. like my dad's like that all the time so on the rare occasion he gets angry enough that he is not his normal stoic self, that he actually like raises his voice or speaks harshly, he only has to say like three words. Then it's like everybody for five miles falls in line with something. Like they don't even know why they're straightening it up, but they gotta act right. Right. Like, so I know that your dad is not Theodore Roosevelt, but it is very <laughs> speak softly, carry a big stick mentality. Very much. Yeah. Um, I wanna talk about the relationship, like not Involved directly with the rape between um, Kevin and Marianne. Also, it's disgusting that he calls her mayor, especially after Jackie says, you can either work or play or breed. And then he keeps calling her mayor. Ooh, I didn't get that. Gross. Yeah, but he doesn't He doesn't hear that. No, he doesn't hear that, but we are supposed to put it together. I mean, people, it's, it's people, supposed to invoke the same. People call me mayor. Like, I have well, my mom's side of the family, a number of them do. 
They're not calling Every me Mare. I- they're with M-A-R-E. They're calling me M-A-R because that's my name. Every time I heard that, it reminded me of the time me and my high school boyfriend, we loved Marilyn Manson and tried to go to his concert and we would affectionately call him Mare Bear. Um, and then like our <laughs> yeah, parents found funny. out, <laughs> my our parents found out and they came and picked me up from the Papa John's, my part-time job, which I was going to leave early for to go to the Marilyn Manson concert. And they're like, Mm-mm, no, not today. Mm-mm. Okay. I have three points that I need to make real quick. Do number it. one, I used to work as a pizza delivery person in college as well. Um, number two, did you know Marilyn Manson was married to Dita Von Teese? Yes. Yes. And she okay. left him because he was so awful. And turns I didn't out know that. But yeah. He, he's like one of those like sex cult people. Um, um, what's her name? Evan Rachel Wood. Like he fucked her up, dude. He fucked her up. Like he's very abusive. And that makes me mad because I have deep love for Dita and Evan Rachel Wood. I know. She's so great. They're both so great. They're both so gorgeous and in totally different ways. I know. Speaking of nicknames, Chase's niece, she gets, she's, she's very good at speaking. She's three. She gets excited. So she gets really happy when she talks a lot. So she calls me America. (laughs) (laughs) The cutest thing. (laughs) Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Let me hear it again. America. America. It's like. Um, America, but with a Y on the end. I know. <laughs> and I love it. It's America. <laughs> so America. whenever you want to say, every time you want to say something is like good in like the American mm. sense, or if it's like kosher <laughs> for like America, like culture, you say it's America. Yeah, I showed her my Venus flytrap and I was like, girl, you're not going to believe it. This flower eats bugs. <laughs> America, I want to see a plant that eats bugs. <laughs> Let's go see it. <laughs> Can that be like one of our new catchphrases? It's America. America. Yeah, that was all three of the things that I had a hot take for before we talked more about their, <laughs> their marriage. She holds it down for him. Oh, yeah. Without him. And it just pisses me off when people get a little bit of success and then totally forget about or abandon their support systems. Jay-Z. I mean, that's what I'm planning to do to you guys when we get rich on this, so. <laughs> we got it in right. I'm the first oh. to go. I'm the first that you guys are going to drop because I already can't stand myself. <laughs> we love you, though. Not, so, you know, I was just... That's what I you was, say to my face. I was talking to someone the other day, um, so I, 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 you know, it's someone I'm just getting to know... And he was like, man, you guys have such good chemistry. It's like it's clear that you guys like love each other outside of the show. Like this isn't just professional. And I was like, it's really funny you say that because Rachel and I have never met in person. We actually do. Yeah, but. Well, I mean, we do know each other through the show. We have become mm-hmm. close friends. But mm-hmm. when she joined the show, like the first episode we all recorded together, she and I just stayed on the line for an extra hour or two just hanging out. And yeah, and to then know each other. The, the second time we did that, yo, your girl mary was like listen listen i'm gonna buy you this like these like bomb ass lip balms and she's like just listen what's your address i'm sending this to you like right now i and love it, it changed my life ah, i'm a matchmaker is that your is that your love language mary i like to give gifts when i know when i have a good one online i feel like i can make good gifts but for so much of my life i've been so broke that I couldn't get the things I wanted to get people. So, like, I was really happy when, when uh, Mary Kay and Megan liked the gifts I got for our birthday, our first birthday. That was fun. Um, that was really fun. Yeah. I was just thinking about my Princess Jasmine necklace. <laughs> I really was. And I drank out of that salty bitch cup earlier oh. today. <laughs> that was you, right? Yeah, that was me. You? A salty bitch was yeah. me. 
So yeah, yeah, I was I was very happy that you guys liked your gifts for that and everything, but uh it's so fun to have a little bit of money that you can spend on other people. Yes, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Like that's the best thing about having a little disposable income. Yeah, which Kevin is like is handling horribly here. You have the disposable income, just like Spend it on fun and people you love and savings for this child. And you paint you're gonna that have. house the first green. Paint the, the first wind. green. The you first can... green is literally the color of my living room. That is literally. honestly the biggest flex is having a, even just one wall. I'm there's like there's like this guy in the UK who's um wonderful and beautiful and just so sweet who's talking to me and he's thinking about buying like getting this house and it has one wall just one wall that is that shade of green and it's a whole flex I'm like you gotta get that house just it really will change wall. your house to do yes. one vibrant colored room you know I gotta say like that whole sequence where she was like this decorating is terrible I'm so sad I hate it here I was like bitch you are Painting and eating Popeyes all day. That sounds like my dream that life. That is the fucking dream. Decorate this also, beautiful apartment, which also they get wrong. With a chicken say, breast in your mouth. I know. Fuck they call yeah. it, they That's call what it, I want. Well, I would want a thigh, but they call it a classic eight, and then it has the wrong number of bedrooms just to, you know, talking about flexing. Like, what is a classic eight, by the way? I was going to ask It's you. a style of apartment that exists in, a, in older buildings. It's just a style of layout. That they're describing. Oh, but okay. an eight would have four bedrooms, not three. That was the best flex I've ever heard. <laughs> so, yeah. So they oh, you had interior decorating. You can't even, you don't even know what the apartment is called. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mary, I want you to have that apartment. If I had the money, I would buy it for you. Thank you. I would love that apartment. Also... No, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever go back to New also, York. Also, do you remember in Candyman when she, when the mistress painted oh that my kitchen God. that Pepto-Bismol pink? <laughs> Fucking Pepto-Bismol pink. That, that green is the opposite of that pink. When you say It's literally that, a cross from it on the color wheel, I bet. They're, when you say like, they're exactly opposite. Pepto-Bismol pink, not only did that color of green on those walls make my stomach turn, but then when you say it like that, I'm like, oh. Oh God, I feel it coming. I feel it coming. See, that sounded like it was going the other direction, girl. I don't know about coming up. It sounded like it, it was coming out, out though. It might, it might come out all holes. I'm telling you right now. But um, so in, in this movie, though, what I thought was really interesting, because this is like really like heavy handed on like metaphors and symbolism. Yeah. <laughs> they ended up yeah. with, they ended up with bright yellow, like, yo, so, like, come yellow on. Yellow wallpaper. Like, we, we get it, dude. We get it. <laughs> We get it. Her husband is neglectful. Uh-huh. She's losing her mind. We get it. I do feel for her, though, because she is... 100%. A cu- she's, she's a hustler, right? Mm-hmm. She never not had a job or two. Works relate, on Sundays. Right? Um, Bitch works She every goes day. to bed before, yeah, before her husband, and she can see the light on in the office, like... I feel for her because that can be really jarring if you're used to working full time and then your spouse is like, you don't have to do that anymore. And so she's like, uh, what do I do with myself then? Yeah, if I, I was working, baby eat to take care of, your yeah. fucking like Popeyes. Eat <laughs> your fucking Popeyes and buy house, Shut the fuck buy up. your expensive yeah, planters, buy Just your velvet down. curtains. <laughs> yes. 
That's from Ali Wong, by the way. Yes, it's it my is. favorite line. God, she's so thing. good. And she's, she's so amazing. Cute. She said, I don't want to lean in, I want to lay down. Ooh. <laughs> I love her so much. Yeah, like, <sighs> you know, I, I mean, we're playing, obviously, like, we. We all work. We all. I don't. I can't imagine right. any of us just like not Several doing jobs. not yeah. doing anything if we. <laughs> I think all of us have more than one job. I want to talk about Marianne with regard to this curly situation. Okay. Because you mentioned earlier that like curly hair is the mark of the beast, except that the beast himself oh, yeah. is like uncurl your hair. Okay, bitch! You cannot let Al Pacino come up to you at a party and be like. Oh, you should change your hair, and also your neck is so beautiful. And will you, pretty please, do it for me? What do you expect to happen? Do you expect to not get pregnant if Al Pacino <laughs> is talking to you at a party like that? Instant. Pregnant. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you didn't know Pacino was Satan before that moment, then you know he must be because you can just tell by looking in his eyes that Pacino never would want a woman to have straight hair if her hair was curly. You know that. You know he won't. You mm-hmm. know he wouldn't. He always wants women to wear their hair natural. I bet he likes natural breasts, too. I don't know, girl. There was a lot of fake boobies in this movie. But that's a not lot to have a Pacino. Yeah, I mean, unless he was hooking up with his daughter, which did seem to be happening at the elevator. It did seem elevator. to be happening, right? Satan is lawless, y'all. He don't care about nothing. Yeah, just, which, uh, yeah but that's what I'm saying. Face. If curls are the sign of the beast, then... No, they're not. I was just making it. Okay, I was just checking, because I was like, whoa. Yeah. I I mean, also, y'all, when I was little, I wanted a perm so bad, and my mom wouldn't let me get one, because I wanted to have curly hair so bad. You do have curly hair. I didn't have curly hair until I was, like, 12. Oh, I did. I just had, like... a lot of curly hair all the time. Nope, I just had almost no hair. I had a few cowlicks in there. Oh, yeah, I forgot you were a feral angel as a child. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I I didn't have curly hair. My grandmother and I would put it in curlers every night, or pin curls, and they would still fall out by, like, noon. Can we please like insert some kind of joke about Legally Blonde about the trial court scene where she's like talking about well, if you had a perm. One of my best friends uh, was cast as the hairdresser in the musical that has been postponed indefinitely, and she is going to crush it. Oh, I can't wait! I'm excited. I'll link to it in the show notes. I'll link yeah, to awesome. like the promo stuff. It. Yeah, oh, she's gonna be so good in it too. She's amazing. Um. Anyway. Paulette, I think, is the character's name. Paulette, yeah. God, I love it. I love it. Yeah, the, um, Charlize Theron really doing the Lord's work up in here, man. Like, that character is underwritten. Yeah. Horribly. That relationship. Like, like it's just so much of this movie's, like, moral axis is, you know, that, that balancing act between the firm and Marianne. And, Mm -hmm. um, if Charlize Theron weren't Charlie Theron, then beautiful goddess that she is, just so she's awesome, just really dynamic yeah. and really powerful and really compelling to watch. If she weren't as good as she is, this movie wouldn't work at all because it wouldn't. You wouldn't root for Marianne or root for the relationship at all. She would just immediately yeah. become annoying and terrible to you, and you wouldn't want to deal with it. At least Charlie, yeah. At least Charlize makes her yeah real enough and human enough and interesting enough that that you don't want her to die. Exactly. Definitely, yes. Her accent was also much better. Um, it definitely sounded like Florida. Well, she's, um, she has to learn and execute all American accents in the first place, so. Right, so that's probably why it wasn't too, like, infiltrated. But remember how she, because um, 
Monster is also in Florida. And those accents are very different. When she Monster. plays Eileen Warnos. Yeah, oh. when she's Eileen Warnos. Mm-hmm. Um, she's mm. incredible. Um, oh my God, that movie. Like, Okay, I had it real quick, real quick. We go back to it. But I had this drama teacher back when I was in um, Georgia before I went to the, the culty fucking fucked up school when I was in the public school. There was this drama teacher that said the greatest compliment you could give any actor, actress, is to say to them, I thought you were in this. I didn't see you. And well, I was, but you just didn't recognize me because of like, they, they could do a performance so well, you don't recognize them anymore. That's when yeah, you I know think Mary said that on here before too. Yeah, oh, some, really? some actors. Yeah, I think so. We've talked about this. Some actors have a really transformative quality and you really and could lose track of them movie to movie. That was, and some actors are still fantastic, but they don't have that same quality. Yeah. They're always going to take up a certain, not just a certain space, but a certain shape of that space. Yeah. You know, and, and she, she's she did that in Monster. I can remember watching the trailer for it when I lived in, with my dad and his friend was staying with us for a while. And uh, he looked at the screen for on the trailer for Monster and then on, as, as her on the red carpet. And he was like, is that the same person? Yeah. He was just like so shocked. Like they had him right. Like it was right like side by side or something yeah. and they write side by side. And he was like. Does she not really look beautiful like that? And my dad was like, she does, but not there. I don't know how she did it. <laughs> yeah, but this movie as well, she's she's fantastic. I also appreciated that she is maybe not written very fully. She's depicted very fully, and she's a static character, but she's not boring at all. Yeah. Like, I mean, Pacino even, um, Pacino, <laughs> Milton, which is way worse, says all Marianne wanted was love and you tried to better deal her from the moment you got here. Yeah. Like you could have saved her. From the jump. From From the the jump. jump. She was like, do not leave me at this party. Full cap. That's all I want. And he was eyeballing that Italian girl. The entire time. Like She is, uh, Connie, Connie, no, wait, let me double check myself there. She's Christabel. Danish. That character. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, um, she's a very good actress. Yeah. Also, can we talk about how many languages Pacino spoke in this movie? What the fuck? Some Cantonese of, at one some point. Some of them were okay. Some of them were not intelligible very much. But I and I understood the the like goal there, which is like he's Satan, he's limitless, like Yeah. You know. So I got that. But when he when he spoke Spanish, it took me a second to realize he was speaking Spanish. <laughs> because it's not it's not super clear, but once I caught up, I was like, okay, I'm fine. And that sequence is uh, kind of fun to watch, even though I don't know why that guy was going to knife him on the subway. That didn't seem to make... No, there yeah. was, like, more that was on the cutting room floor of that scene. But we yeah. needed it. You needed to leave that in and cut something else, guys. Yeah, there was we so needed, much... like, 20 other seconds There was that. so <laughs> much else to cut, and that was not the moment. <laughs> Yeah, yeah what then, a weird flex. I'm going to come up on Al Pacino and be like, get out of my train car. Yeah, yeah. To I'm going to I'm going to jump up on this five foot six dude. <laughs> you know, Pacino, for, to be short, has a lot of BDE, though. Oh, for sure. Yeah. A lot. When yeah. you rewatch, uh, when, when you know how it's going to end, right? And you rewatch, it's so funny to see the duality of all of his lines. Yeah. That they're like, you think I haven't lost? Right? Um, right. There's, there's so many of these like little moments. When he tells her, I can relate to not liking my dad. Right. Ha! There are so many moments that um, are uh, 
really beautifully played in that way because he's not lying. Like he doesn't have to lie to achieve all of this. He just has to. Yeah, he 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 really does set the stage for people to pull their own strings. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, it is Connie Nielsen. I. I mean, that's what he says, right? Like free will. It's your free will. I just set the stage so that you choose what I want you to choose. And he's perfect in that role. Um, I also want to talk about the while we're talking about like women and the total abandonment of them. The mom. Yeah, that that character kind of swung around on me some. Huh. You know, her accent was consistent. No, her accent was. I mean, like the um, the role of the character in the story or the perspective on the character kind of swung around on mm-hmm. me a bit. Sometimes that's intended, obviously. Like that character has reveals, but also you know, they set her up as like such an oppositional force, like Marianne, who we are set up to to like. Does not mm-hmm. like her. He's not especially kind to or or doesn't seem very close with his own mother. You know, like, they're pretty initially combative. So I, you know, I was like, okay, antagonistic, fundamentally. And then when she actually... Kind came, of, though. I mean, she does stand up for Marianne, though. Well, she, that's what I'm saying. Like, this and then, isn't good for her. You need to take care well, of then your wife. Let of, me take her home. This big swing around where I was like, oh, oh, I mean, it makes sense that if... You know, if if um, Kevin is becoming the villain, then she would she would also like swing mm-hmm. in opposition on the pendulum with him. I did wonder, like, man, if I if I'd always known that as tough as she is on them, she does care about Marianne. If I'd always known that she struggles with this dark secret or what, you know, if I if I'd had a little glimpse earlier on that this character um, has. A, a meaningful and complicated role in this world. The stakes would when when she says your mom's coming, when she actually gets there and they're hanging out with her, the stakes would have been a lot higher for me. You know. See, I I thought that that was in there though because of the Bible verse that she kept reciting, mm-hmm. and because when he wants to leave, she's like, "Why? Well, I smell Marianne on this." Like she's being honest. Like it is. I don't know. They don't get along, but they don't hate each other. And then I just thought that it was. It just it just seems to me that Alice is like from the beginning, really overcorrecting something that happened. I I think we're led to believe it's just sex out of wedlock to begin with. Um, and I think that might be what she believes as well. By the way, the scariest line in this to me is when Kevin says, you want me to make the Antichrist? And then Milton goes, whatever. That was my that favorite was the, part. That was, was funny the most me. chilling line to me. Wait, okay, can we can we get into it real fast? Like, why was that? Why to me was that so funny that and was wonderful? Funny. But to but to you, it was chilling because it's funny because that like total world destruction is so. He's like, whatever. Well, He's no, just shrugging. I didn't it, see. Like, I didn't read it that way. The same way I didn't. I think part of my issue with Alice was that I didn't read love on her to begin with much at all. I read control. Interesting. Okay. But I didn't read like any kind of like. I just read tradition on her and that she needed attention, which is what she says, right? Like he just, he listened to me and nobody had ever listened to me before. And then Marianne says that too. Yeah. So I I mean, I just didn't read that kind of over the course of the story. I get there, but I didn't have any, Mm -hmm. any hint of that early on. So when they were like, we need to get away from her, I was like, seems fair. Um, but uh, with 
with that line, it kind of has a, a similar, I don't, know, I don't know, it feels similar to me a little bit in that when he says whatever, I was like, oh my God, all this other stuff, everything we think or believe, everything God is telling us or Jesus or prophets are telling us about the end days and the Antichrist. Satan himself is like, yeah, I'm, I am planning like all that. Like I'm enjoying the ride. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they're telling you that I've got this game plan. I've got it. He's like, whatever. (laughs) Like, uh, I'm just here to look at small boobies and have a good time. Yeah. And look at small boobies. (laughs) Well, you know, when you hear about, yeah, when you hear about people talking about like, oh, some people just want to watch the fucking world burn. Like he does. And he just wants to do it just casually. Like not even on his own time. Just like. Eh, whenever, like whenever you ready. If it I'm happens, ready. if it happens, if it, it happens, happens, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm just not like gonna invest a whole lot of my time into how it's gonna happen. Let's just let's just have a good time. Let's just do it. Let's just burn it all over the fucking ground. Yeah. Let's just trust. We'll I don't know. I it's a very, that was it's super a very, scary. It's a very Jimmy Buffett approach to the apocalypse. <laughs> you know, when I used to work for the state of Massachusetts, I um, they had these whiteboards everywhere. Um, at the uh, like information like the the um, the mass IT part, and they had so many whiteboards. And every time I came across a whiteboard, which was all the time, because <laughs> I love tagging things, I love it so much. I would write WWJBD, which was what would Jimmy Buffett do? Make a make a make a tequila based drink and chill out. I guess. I think for folks working in government, they need that. They needed that. So speaking of devil's advocate. And being the inverse of Christ and God. From what I understand and from what I know, the term devil's advocate comes from law, right? This is Wikipedia. So, you know, I mean, it's it's attributed at all. But advocatus diaboli, Latin for devil's advocate, is the former official position within the Catholic Church, the promoter of the Mm. faith. One who argued against the canonization of a candidate in order to uncover any character flaws or misrepresentation of the evidence favoring canonization. Oh wow! So it comes Don't like that. from the Catholic. Well, no, so no, no. no. Then- it's, it, it makes sense to me. It's the, it's uh, it was the person within the Catholic Church who, when they were considering sainthood, would try to poke holes in the case to make sure they didn't miss anything. Right. So in that case, what Kevin is supposed to be the devil's advocate, and in that case, he's kind of strengthening Milton. Yeah, I mean, in this case, he is very literally, like, advocate as in legal representation yeah. for the actual mm-hmm. devil. I also thought it was really interesting that in one of his many expertly executed monologues, Pacino says, um, the law puts us in everything. Yeah, and that makes sense to me. There's no part of, it does. of life where, like, you could not... You couldn't gain influence financially or politically or socially um, without, like, that. that's a field that does get yeah. a lot of access. I mean, you also see those memes that are going around lately, especially with um, the resurgence of the of Black Lives Matter movement, um, where it talks about all of the terrible atrocities that were once very legal. Right. That's what I thought of immediately. So what's the point of this movie? Here's the thing. Okay, here's the biggest thing about the whole ass movie for me. I don't fucking know if he's just going to get sent back to start. Apparently, Satan handles the raising of his own children the way I handle an especially difficult video game. Whoops, fucked up. Going to reload an earlier save. 
He just um, start selected it. And was like, oh, I'm gonna start this one over. <laughs> God, it reminds wow. me of the night that my ex was first playing Skyrim, and uh, I had agreed that I was gonna make truffle butter popcorn, and my friend was over, and she brought a joint, so we were all a little bit high, and we were like, yeah, we're gonna, like, I'm gonna make the snack, and we're all gonna be so excited about it. But I'm not. I decided I wasn't gonna make it until he de- till he defeated this one troll. Mm. So the night got really dramatic because we're like watching this like a gladiator battle because n- we're all high and none of us get to eat truffle butter because we popcorn, need the popcorn until he defeats this troll. And then while I was actually making the popcorn, when he finally did it, he was trying to help the cat catch this moth in the house. And my friend was just watching that like it was entertainment too. And he was like using his hands like paws. On the one hand, I get the message that there, there would have to be a constant vigilance and that you it's it's how easy it is to fall into the web. But also, is it easy to fall into the web given that he's like the actual son of Satan and being so actively pursued? Like, does he, does Satan have this level of effort invested in every human? Surely he's not like chasing me down like all that, right? Like, so between the whole um, start from an early save and nature of their relationship i was like oh. mm-hmm. so your question about is he chasing me down like that i think this movie is saying yes because when you hear both marianne and his mom say he just he he just listened to me for hours he just listened to me and we just talked and he was right there at my ear. Like it really seems like he is trying to wear down as many women as possible so that he can have as big a possibility of making that happen at the end. I think that is undersold like um, in this movie, but typically in the occult, like we've discussed before, especially on the episode about the witch, women are the vessels for evil. Not evil ourselves necessarily, just really susceptible and gullible to uh, the manipulations of men. Before you even like mention the witch, like the thing that went directly to my mind was like, do you like the taste of butter? Yeah. I mean, how many times has Th- had Thomason been asked what she wanted? Um, never. Yeah, probably exactly. not. So it seems like the movie is, and this is what I wrote, but then I read y'all's responses and I was like, well, I'm probably wrong. Um, the movie is kind of a cautionary tale of how you are responsible for your actions and you I think can so. be sure your sin will find you out. I think so. But then they just restart though. Yeah, that he's he's ultimately not at all accountable. He gets to go over go try it all again. But then he falls into the same thing in the end when the the guy yeah. was like, I'll call you for like the 60 minutes interview and he was like, oh, Okay, I'll talk to you in the morning and then you see that it's Milton again. He's like Vanity. It's my yeah, but it's but just it's gonna be the exact is, same thing just a different plot yeah so but not is he not gonna just start it again if it doesn't work out i mean it's i think it's just i think it's cyclical i think it's gonna be the and same and that's what i'm saying if if milton doesn't get what he wants so he just restarts the loop is kevin actually accountable for his actions it almost seems like he milton i've i've i really grasped to figure out his name every time I go to say it. <laughs> because it just does not work. It, mm. He is not John Milton. He did no. not write Paradise Lost. He is not just convening in chaos with a bunch of demons. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, not literally. They should have named him Lucifer McSatan. Me, <laughs> <laughs> I put the um, Mick in front of it. Lucifer McSatan. Mick. This like he's like he's like Scottish, um, like a Scottish Satan. It was just the first. It's a common uh, prefix of this country, so it was the first one that jumped to mind. For example, someone I, in this I, podcast has that prefix that for last name. Um, it's McBrayer. It could be. <laughs> It could be Lucifer. <laughs> One time, Satan, I Satan. asked somebody um, if he wanted to hear me speak Scottish, and he was like, "Scottish is English," and I was like, "Nah," and he was like, "Okay, I speak Scottish," and I just yelled into the phone, "McBrayer!" <laughs> so stupid. And yes, no, I know for the record, like Scottish is not English. I know that they're not the same, but just let me have this. This is the question I was trying to answer. What's the point of this movie? It seems like free will is real for mortals, but Satan has a job to do, and he keeps failing at it, and that's why the clock keeps starting over. It's because he can't mm. get do what he wants. But I don't know what we're... Like, I went real meta just then. I haven't thought out any more... That's like, like leaving your sim. Layers. That's like thinking leaving your Sims on free will setting and then being annoyed that they didn't go to work on time. So you yeah, just like right. nuke it and reload. Yeah. Yeah, I know really. I love I think your Sims, Sims will never time. go to work on time. You will have to tell them. They will shit their pants. <laughs> they will not go to the bathroom. Have you ever seen these little fucks eat breakfast? It's an hour and a half long endeavor. Who does that? Grab Just a for cereal, bar, you too. sick fuck. Yeah, I'm like, all right, you get to drink this glass of milk, you ignorant little shit. And it takes them an hour to drink a glass of milk. Yeah, because they're just, like, mumbling to themselves while they're like, mm, I'm going to pour this milk. Flarpa ganoush. Flarpa ganoush. <laughs> I still think the scariest thing I've ever done was the time I texted you that in the middle of the night, Mary Kay. That was, I woke up and guffawed. <laughs> I just, like, at, like, three or four in the morning her time, I just texted her, Flarpa ganoush, bitch. I always change it to Flarba Ganoush, like it's a derivative of Baba Ganoush. <laughs> I don't even know Maybe. which one's correct, honestly. So uh, it is questionable as to free will and accountability, because if Kevin has free will and accountability, then so do our Sims, and I don't like that thought. And no. No, no, no. 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 Here, here's who doesn't have free will, though. The devil. He has, his shit is predestined. Which, I don't think those are mutually exclusive anyway, but... He has a thing he has to do. It is foretold. I don't know. He did That's say Antichrist point. whatever, so maybe all that foretelling is just a lie we've been told so that we will be scared of him and try to avoid him. But also before we end, there is like one thing that I noticed, and I only remember this because of this like really cultish like uh, private like uh, school community religion bullshit that I went to, and I used that knowledge that they gave me because they did t- teach us a lot of really good English shit. And... I was in my English 1101-1102 class with Jason Kessler. What's up, Jason Kessler? <laughs> he, um, he had us I know wa- him. You know him. I know you know him. Mm-hmm. He had us watch Gone with the Wind, and we had to write an essay. And I decided, like, the night before it was due, because, I mean, I was in college, freshman in college, and I bullshitted this essay about how Scarlet was a tragic hero. Yeah, totally. And so 
Um, so like, and I think in the same regard, like with the the components of what makes up Aristotle's tragic hero, they have to be of nobility. So it can't just be like mm-hmm. any average John that falls from power. It has to be someone like great. So like he like built himself up as being like this like great person in his community and he's successful whatever he has a major flaw which being his vanity he's also nobility in that he's like the prince of hell i mean that's true that's true but but we don't know that to like the very very end the reversal of fortune the discovery of oh i fucked up but it's too late the the dramatic irony which i think applies here but i'm not sure i didn't put a lot of well he kills himself yeah rather than inherit the earth that in the moment where he finally where the finally the tables have flipped so completely that the selfish choice is actually very harmful it would be very easy or rather Mm. it'd be very easy to go with the the uh, selfish or evil choice and very difficult to do the right thing he actually does the really difficult thing loaded in the completion of suicide too in this movie. We don't have to go into it because... And there's two suicides, too. Yeah. And then you said the fate worse than deserves uh, would be the last step of the Aristotelian... Would the fate fate be that his final act, or is the fate that he is forever in this cycle? Like, he's going to go through the same story Hmm. over and over and over and over again. I think you're on it there, because I think the fate worse than he deserves, it's not just that he has to live it over and over, but he has to live it over and over without full awareness of what he's been through. Mm, Yeah. Like, he's he's going to have to make... Like that bandersnatch? He's going to have to make the same mistakes... Over and over before he can realize that he's making the same mistake, just in different circumstances. But he'll never... Like, to recognize it. Yeah. Yeah. Living the same cycle, like fucking Groundhog Day. First of all, I saw Groundhog Day once, and I'm like, I don't ever want to see this movie again. Like, I don't... Like, (laughs) that whole idea that, like, people, like, mimic in, like, other shows and movies that you... Like, happy death day. And they do it over and over and over again. It's, It's so... Oh my god, I can't stand it. And for that, that would be my own personal hell. Like, I can't do this no more. I can't do it. Just put me in a bowl of fire, please. Okay, but I thought that Russian Doll was excellent, if only for the way that Yeah, Natasha, Russian Doll was pretty damn good. For the way Natasha Leone says, cockroach. <laughs> Listen, anything that she's in turns to gold, okay? Oh, she's so great. She is amazing. Mm-hmm. Is this movie scary? Yes. No. Yes. Yes. No. <laughs> Can I say I think one thing? The only thing about this movie that I found to be scary? Yeah. Relationships and marriage. That was the only thing in this movie I found scary. Was that dynamic. And the whole time I was like, I'm not having fun watching this. I hate this. I want this to be over. I need this to be over. I mean, that was definitely terrible. The the one scene that was so uncomfortable and so terrifying to me was when he was fucking his wife and and he he was seeing the other girl and he was so excited. But then when it would go back to his wife, he was like clearly disappointed. That fucking yeah, he was like sucking toes and stuff. That terrifying. Also, you fucking ingrate. That is Charlize Theron, right? Like, if that happens to her, How like, if, if Jay-Z can cheat on Beyonce, then damn, like, there's no hope for us. There ain't no hope for us. 
Hillary Swank is hot because if she's not hot, then you're, then you're saying because I'm clearly not as hot as Hillary Swank. I was like, are we going to go a whole episode without a quote from The Office? Are we? Is well, that we happening? just did one. I feel like we might have already we just done thought one. of it. <laughs> Can we pick one tiny scary thing in this movie? Like for me, it was the overplucked eyebrows. Mm. Hate that. What's one tiny scary thing? One thing where you were like, ooh, no. Oh, damn. I had, I had thought about this, and I didn't think to uh, didn't think to share it. I was like, man, what would their baby Antichrist have been? Like, it would have to be someone born in the late 90s. I was like, is it Martin Shkreli? Oh, he hit me up on Facebook once. He was like, hey, girl, you want to come to New York? Oh, my God. He's he did it to a lot of girls, so it was, it's not, like, anything special. He did to, like, thousands. But he, but he slid in my, Yeah, he hit Yeah, Hannibal Burris swiped right on me for the four days I was online dating. He didn't message me. Would it be the fire Festival guy that would be their incest <laughs> antichrist? So he was like, yeah, like, this is your sister. Like, you guys should get it on. And not only is he, like, he's there and watching and participating in this, like, potential ritual. Like, he is there. He is watching and participating, like, holding her arms in this ritual. Like, we're just gonna, we're just gonna slide past that. We're just not gonna talk about that. Like, he's like, I'm gonna watch you guys fuck my children. Yeah. It's very Handmaid's Tale ritual. Yeah. yeah. The scary little thing that creeped me out was like being sexually harassed by your husband's boss. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It was just like. Mm. Oh, man. Okay. So, what's up next? That's a great question. We discussed it briefly. <laughs> um, up next, would you guys prefer to do uh, Rob Zombie, Poltergeist, Friday the 13th, or Apostle? Up to you, Rachel. Wait, which one is Apostle? That sounds really... <gasps> Wait, that sounds really familiar. What's that one? It's on Netflix. It's, it stars uh, Dan Stevens, who is in uh, Downton Abbey and Beauty and the Beast. <clears throat> oh, no, 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 no. I can only do so much, like, <laughs> religious... I can only do so much, like, religious-based, like, films in one go. All right, let's do Poltergeist. Let's do it. All right, so up next, we are finally... Getting our hands on that uh, creepy little TV. We're going to do an episode about Poltergeist. Which at the moment I believe to be available. (laughs) To be available (laughs) either on uh, Netflix or Prime. Possibly both. I'll double check. Um, But when we record. But you've seen it. You remember. Or you've seen like the Family Guy like version there. (laughs) So you're you're good. It's the same. It's the same. I've never seen it. Oh, you're going to love talking about that, Mary. Wonderful. All right. That's going to be fun. Well, we look forward to to chatting about Poltergeist with y'all. Thank you again to Campfire for bringing us into the family. And yeah. uh, thank you guys for listening tonight. Please uh, follow us on social media. Please follow Campfire on social media. Please buy, my book. Um, buy Mary Kay's book, <laughs> America's First Female Serial Killer. If you haven't already, what are you doing? Like, come on. What yeah, are you doing? This this episode comes out three days after my birthday. Y'all do not wish me a happy birthday if you have not bought my book. Don't. Don't even. Fuck out of here. No, you have to buy my Whoa. book before you get to tell me happy birthday. Whoa. Mm. Okay. Okay. Or read it. Y'all are y'all gave it to y'all obviously because you're my best friends, so that doesn't count. Okay. Okay, love you bye. Love you bye. Love you bye.